chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Everybody wants to be profound. It's fun to say profound things. It's fun when you open your mouth and words come out, people go, whoa, that blew my mind. Here's the problem. Not everyone, I'm pointing to myself, but I'm not speaking about myself. Not everyone is a profound speaker. Cam Newton tried, though. I will talk about it in a little while. We were jam-packed. We were high atop, long lost downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Producer Jesse and I have barely seen this place over the last week, but we are back. And we are jam-packed. Some on the streets thought that we may forego a Thursday show. Why? Because we had a Tuesday show. And because we put out a Late Kick Extra podcast earlier today. Those people also would tell you we're in the middle of the off-season. We would not tell you that, though. Therefore, this train never stops. In the words of Walter from Breaking Bad, this train never stops. They're watching us in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Renovo, Pennsylvania. Jesse, you ever been there? Renovo? Uh, Brighton, Tennessee, Prosperity, South Carolina. I got a lot to talk to you about tonight. I got some stuff from Cam Newton. I got some stuff from Lane Kiffin. I got several quarterback battles that are just raging on as we start to conclude spring. We get towards the end of spring. Spring games are on tap in some cases this weekend. And I'll talk to you about that. And I'm also going to give you a few more spotlight teams to watch. But as you probably noticed, if you're watching on YouTube, Colin shows you a few shots there. In some of those shots, this nice shiny white late kick helmet's visible. I go up to Penn State and we come back and New Meredith walks up, who is our office administrator, and New Meredith says, hey, you got a helmet. And I thought, that's great, little mini helmet. No, our friends over at Battle Customs just sent us a full helmet. Look at that sweet Ladanian Tomlinson visor on this thing. Colin walked around wearing this earlier today. Very intimidating. Very. I would not want to meet him in the A-gap. So thank you, and also I got a few more wedding invitations. I don't even know. I've lost count of how many viewer wedding invitations have arrived at the office. It's in the several dozen. I don't know if we've cracked 100 yet. It's in the several dozen. So thank you, and uh, thanks for the support while we were away. Now we're back in Nashville, and we got a lot to get to tonight. Okay, let's dive in. I got a lot of words in front of me right now. It's just names of quarterback battles. Quarterback battles are going on all over the country right now. We do not use the word controversy when referring to a position battle. Because it's not controversial to have competition. It's just that. It's competition. And it's sometimes a good thing. In fact, most times it's a good thing if you have, in fact, all the times, it's a good thing if you have multiple players who are good enough to compete for a starting position. And then as I start to go down this list, let's keep in mind, just in the back somewhere, let's keep in mind, spring will end. The transfer portal will open. And some of these names may move on to a greener pastures or another school where they have a chance to start. But as for now, what are we looking at? We're looking at Bama. We got Ty Simpson up there. We got Jalen Milrow. Jalen Milrow, you've seen. He started last year for them against, I think, A&M in the Arkansas game. I think. Played significantly. You haven't seen as much of Ty Simpson. Now, I'll give you my feel on some of these. This is just a guess. My feel is Ty Simpson ends up winning this job. That, that goes on nothing. Nothing that I have heard from anyone inside that program. So you take that with whatever you want to take it with. I don't think either has been mistake-free enough to where we can assume that this job is won. And I always go back to the whole Blake Barnett, Jalen Hurts protocol with Nick Saban choosing starting quarterbacks. And that is Blake Barnett, we, we went all spring and all summer and all fall, and he was always listed one. 
on anyone's guess at what the depth chart was going to look like. Sure enough, it comes time for him to open. They play USC that year, and Blake Barnett starts. And I have rarely seen a deer in my headlights with wider eyes than Blake Barnett had. Then Jalen Hurts came in, fumbled his first snap, mind you, and still end up, it ended up taking the job by the throat, and we never looked back. So the point there was everything you said over those previous five months was rendered moot over a couple of series. And that's how this stuff can change. So it's really pointless to try and predict that stuff in April. But the point is with Alabama, they've got obviously a good enough team to where the guy that makes the fewest mistakes is probably the one that wins the job. And whichever one of those two wins the job uh, is probably going to be good enough for them to win a title. What did you say, Josh? A title? Yeah. So I'm looking through the stat pack today. Ryan McGrady does a phenomenal job with that. I'm trying to uh, delay as I pull that stat up right now. So the last six times that Bama's won the SEC, they have done so with a first-year starter at quarterback. Half a dozen. The last half dozen times they've won the SEC, it's been with a first-year starter. So I'm telling you that because it's April, May, June, about July, preview magazine season will be upon you. And those preview magazine seasons will tell you it's a potential weakness for Alabama that they don't have experience at quarterback. And I'm just telling you what the numbers say. That is, that's a paper popper. Last half dozen SEC titles they've won, it's been with a first-year starter. They don't care. It's never mattered to them. What about Ohio State? I got Kyle McCord battling up here against Devin Brown. There is some news out of Columbus. If you missed it, Devin Brown had a little minor procedure done on one of the fingers of his throwing hand. This is pretty recent. This is, I think, within the last week. Anyway, I say all that to say he is not going to participate in the spring game. I am not a believer that spring games are the, the best mirror image of a game-like atmosphere, but I don't discount the impact of playing in front of a big crowd and therefore playing on a little bit bigger stage. It's the closest stage that we have to mimicking a regular season game. I would say what they do in practices leading up and the scrimmages that are closed leading up, that, in terms of raw competition, mirrors what you see in the regular season a lot more. But it does matter what guys do when the lights are a little bit brighter. So Kyle McCord's going to get his shot in the spring game, and he's going to get a shot to play in front of a big crowd. He's going to get a shot to, you know, go against what? You, will, you really will not have another guy that's on the field that's competing for the starting job. Close competition. It's been a close competition all spring. That's why we're talking about it. Uh, Ryan Day has said exactly what you would expect him to, which is we're not there yet. But yet I look over on the, the right side of the screen or left, depending on if you're me or if you're you watching at home, and I'm looking at the 2023 Heisman Trophy odds. Imagine being a head coach, by the way, where you're trying to keep your guys grounded and you're, you're installing in some cases, and you're trying to get a guy ready to play for the first time ever as a starter, and he is the fifth highest odds to win the Heisman. That means nothing, obviously. That's just a market. That's just a betting market. That's an odds market, yet it's, it's still always fun. Michael Penix, just, just out of nowhere, Michael Penix now, the second Heisman odds frontrunner. Who saw that coming? Whomst amongst us saw that coming a year ago. So we got that. Down in Athens, we got a quarterback battle that's going on. Really, I would say a two-way battle, but there are three names that I'm going to mention. Uh, Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, Gunnar Stockton. Beck and Vandergriff are the two that have split most of the first-team reps throughout spring. There is nothing, hardly, that I could picture happening in that G-Day game, which is this weekend, that would decide this quarterback battle. And even if it did, Kirby Smart would be foolish to announce that it had been decided. And Kirby Smart is many things, but Foolish, not one of them. So that's not going to happen. I think that it's, it's an interesting thing when you tie it into the fact that Mike Bobo is the new offensive coordinator, but is not someone who came in from outside. Uh, there, I think, was a very intentional reason why Kirby didn't take long to promote Mike Bobo from within, because he knew he was going to have a new starter at quarterback one way or the other this fall, and he needed someone with familiarity to the system to put in the place that was vacated by Todd Munkin, outgoing offensive coordinator. Uh, continuity, familiarity, and also the knowledge that we're going to play lights out defense. I don't need Caleb Williams. I don't need someone to do what he does. Carson Beck was, was the odds-on front runner, kind of going into spring. And we'll see how it shakes out. You start to get a lot more information after spring's over. People are a little bit looser. You, you undo the tie a little bit. You can lean back. 
you got some summer to get ready for fall camp. And I'll be interested to see if the sentiment sounds the same. One thing Vandergriff has is he has the mobility. And you make of that what you will, because ultimately it's the same thing it comes down to in every competition. Whichever one makes the fewest mistakes, especially, again, when you play the style of ball they play, whichever one makes the fewest mistakes, that's the one that will ultimately be trusted. Uh, I don't think it's close to decided, and that's one, therefore, to watch. That's this Saturday, that G-Day game's this Saturday. At Notre Dame, this was a late edition. I was reading some of the work over on Irish Illustrated earlier today. Some interesting words about Tyler Buckner. A lot of you who've been listening to the show throughout spring may say, you mean Sam Hartman, right? I don't. I think Sam Hartman is still the front runner to win the job. But let's talk about Tyler Buckner for a second. Buckner is a guy very highly rated a couple of cycles ago. He came in, and this time last year, I think it was Prister. I'm 95% sure it was him over on Irish Illustrated that wrote about this earlier today. He was talking about how this time last year, there was a contingent of the Notre Dame beat that tried to sell you on the idea that Tyler Buckner's arrived. He's ready. His accuracy and decision-making are there. He is a starting caliber quarterback. Now, that was never true, as was pointed out in the article I read. That was never true. Some people were trying to wish cast it into existence. In, in the weather world, there are a lot of younger meteorologists in the South where they don't get to see snow a lot. And therefore, they'll just try and wish it into existence. It's called wish casting. I always loved them because I always wanted to see snow when I was a kid. So science or not, I loved those, those guys and girls. Well, some people tried to wish cast Tyler Buckner into being a surefire starter last year. He wasn't. Ironically, now that they brought in someone via the transfer portal named Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, who everyone, me included, just locks into the starting position, sounds like Buckner is now playing higher caliber football. Sounds like, this is just word on the street, that he's outperformed Sam Hartman a few times when he's been able to be observed, when they've been in a live scrimmage environment. Now, what does that mean? I, I think it, it should not go without saying that there's a lot more familiarity on Buckner's side. He's been in the system longer, so he's just, he knows the players longer. Sam Hartman just got there like 10 minutes ago. I still ultimately think, yes, it will be Sam Hartman's job. At the very least, it's got to be refreshing for Marcus Freeman and his staff to look around and say, look at Tyler Buckner doing exactly what we hoped he would do. And that's coming from someone in me who thought he may explore the transfer portal. Because I thought that's how much of a lock Sam Hartman would have on this job. Who knows how it turns out. But those are the quarterback battles I've got my eye on as these spring games start to approach. Okay, you want to you talk about a radically different segment we're about to do. Sip from the chalice worthy. Anyone here ever heard of Cam Newton? Yeah, okay, so a few of you. Cam Newton obviously sort of rewrote the college football record books when he came from Florida via Blinn College to Auburn way back in 2010. They win the national championship, defied all conventional wisdom. You know the story. So then Cam Newton is a top overall draft pick, goes to Carolina. You know that story too. Cam Newton also runs a seven-on-seven team in, I think, Atlanta. That's where he's from. And that brings us to today. Someone was asking me, someone, well, uh, several of you sent me a clip of Cam Newton talking to his seven-on-seven team. And some of you wanted to know what my thoughts were. And I went back and forth about whether I should put this in the show tonight. Because I talked with some head coaches today. I sent them the clip. And I asked some head coaches, what do you think about this? And you'd be surprised at how mixed the reaction was. So, of course, I've got to do you the respect of showing you what he said. I'm going, to do, I'm going to do for you what I did for myself. I'm going to break it up into two pieces. They're very short clips, but I had, I had Director Collins split this up into two pieces. I'm going to play you the sound. I'm not going to tell you at all what I think on the front end. I want to play you the sound, and then I want you to react. I'll tell you exactly what I think. So this is clip number one, Cam Newton talking to his 7-on-7 seven seven team. If you're good, it don't matter where you go, they're going to find you. I promise you that. A lot of y'all, y'all want to go to the Alabamas, the North Carolinas, the North Carolina States. Y'all going to be there for four years and not have a meaningful game. 
So I'm not in love with this. I will say this though. I I don't know. I don't know the full context. I don't know that he was asked a question or not. I don't know he was just volunteering this. I don't know how that got teed up. So I'm just going to take it for what it was. Obviously, there is a certain caliber of athlete that is not going to make it at Georgia and not going to make it at Texas A&M or Oklahoma. And obviously, it's in their best interest to be real with themselves. And it's in their best interest for parents, guardians, uh, coaches, etc. to be real with them. You got a kid that can't run a sub 4940 and he's, he's a wide receiver. Don't be selling him on the idea that if he really just works hard and grinds, he can go start at Ohio State. No, he will not. Brian Hartline's not letting that happen. And, and Brian Hartline, he's got heart in his last name. He's got a real big heart. But he also loves his job. And I don't think he's going to put it on the line for a kid who couldn't outrun molasses in December. So you need to be real with kids like that. I will grant you, Cam Newton, if you're sitting over in the corner, I will grant you that. Okay? That is not what I take, word of the week, umbrage with. I, I can't stand this one thing that people say a lot. I, I hate it when people say, hey, if you can play, the NFL is going to find you no matter where you are. Because it's technically true, but yet it's also intellectually bankrupt. Them finding you regardless of where you are is not the goal. Maximizing yourself is the goal. This reminds me a lot of people who use the term six figures. How much does she make? Well, she makes six figures. That tells me nothing. Tells me nothing whatsoever. Do you know what the difference is in bringing home 125 a year versus 640 a year? Well, it's just six figures. No, no, it's not. It's like saying you drive a car. That tells me nothing about how you get around. Hey, I made it to the NFL. Well, were you the 23rd overall pick in the draft or were you a, a late six round draft pick who did not make generational money on his first deal and then tore his knee and never made it to his second deal? I'm telling you now, it very much matters where you go because I could clone myself and one of me goes to Georgia and one of me says, oh, you know what? They'll find me wherever I'm going to McNeese State. You fast forward four years, which version of me is more likely to be drafted higher? Not even talking about my work ethic. Let's just say both versions of me completely grind it out, keep my nose clean. I do everything in my power. I'm a model citizen. Which version of me four years later is more likely to be drafted higher? That's what I would care about. I care about maximizing my potential. And there's some places that are obviously far more resourced and equipped to develop you neck up and neck down to maximize that potential. The NFL will find you wherever you are. Let me tell you what will happen. If you're 6'6", 250, like Cam Newton, and if you have alien physical traits, they really will find you, especially if you're a quarterback, they will find you wherever you play. You can play club football at Columbus State University, and if you're Cam Newton, they'll find you. None of you are. None of you. None, nobody in that room, and chances are no one watching this right now is Cam Newton. So if you're not Cam Newton, if you're not the 0.000001% in the country, you better be very cognizant of where you go. Uh, I would also say there are things out of your control that will greatly impact how you wind up and where you end up in the draft or in life. You take care of what you can control, but even then, you open your phone and you see stories every day of people who just suffered bad luck. Or I look, alternatively, I look at college football players who are not going to hear their name called on draft day in the coming weeks. And there may be a story behind it that doesn't have to do so much with them not taking care of business on their end. Maybe they went to a place where nutrition was well behind par. Maybe they went to a place where the structure and support staff wasn't a fraction of what it could have been if they chose their second school or third school. That stuff's out of their control. Maybe their position coach sucked. Uh, maybe they were in a position where they were put in a compromised situation uh, academically. You know, that stuff's out of their control. And yet, that's a real thing that you have to consider. So that's the, fir that's the first takeaway that I have. Can't stand it when people tell you, oh, they'll find you. The NFL will find you no matter where you go. It's not, being, it's not, about, it's not about being found. That's, that, that, that's nice when you're 10 years old. If you're playing Pee Wee right now, if you're playing Pop Warner and you say, I want to make it to the NFL one day, that is wonderful. But when you realize you've actually got the critical traits and you're a senior in high school and it's a real possibility, 
That's not the mentality anymore. The mentality is, hey, I've, I've got the God-given stuff, and I've got the intelligence. Those things I possess, I need to start getting real with myself about which of these destinations can best equip me. Who's going to take care of the stuff that's outside of my control? Who's built the best infrastructure? Where's the most fertile topsoil out there? And if you're good enough, you absolutely need to be going to one of those top schools. If you're not good enough, this conversation wasn't for you to begin with. But he wasn't done. Cam Newton was not done. Colin has actually another clip. And this one, you know, I think I get where he was trying to go. I just don't think he got there. Roll it. Put yourself first. Because when you play for that G, when you play for that A, when you play for that T, when you play for that AU, bro, they're putting themselves first. They're bulletproof. Nothing and no one will ever, I got you, will ever mess up their situation, whether a quarterback, receiver, DB, nothing, coach. Man, that, those schools are bulletproof. So to think that they want me, they need me, man, bro, they don't need you. I'm going to suggest something. I'm going to suggest they do need you. If you're an elite football player, I'm going to suggest they do need you. I think the point Cam Newton is making is there is no one individual that will sink these programs, these major universities. And he's right. I don't know what question he was asked. I'm not sure what was said before or after. I credit him for having the Chick-fil-A bag in the background, okay? All, all due respect there. And as we all know, when you say all due respect, you're allowed to say whatever you want about someone. That's, that's just the rule, right? I think he was trying to make a point I agree with, uh, at least partially, but, but let me just dive in a little bit further here. You know, we're in the player empowerment era, right? We're in the era where you would lead me to believe that the value on these guys as individuals is, is really high and they should be compensated. And you're not getting much of an argument from me on that until someone walks in and starts spouting off things like, these schools don't need you. Well, if they don't need you, what in the world is your value? Anyone ever stop to think about that? Did anyone raise their hand and ask Cam Newton, hey, if I'm worthless to these people, if I don't matter, if they'll make it with or without me, what kind of money should I be expecting from them? I don't really know what the follow-up would be because we didn't get to see that Q&A exchange, but the priority structure at these places, someone trying to tell you, oh, Georgia, Georgia's going to exist with or without you. That's true. What's the point? I don't get what the point is there. And also, Hey, these places have their best interest in mind. You know, uh, uh, Texas A&M football is out for what's best for Texas A&M football. Of course they are. Wh whomst amongst you goes to a place of business tomorrow morning and you walk in and the boss comes to you and says, profit, yeah, it's great. Growth, and an ideal world. But really, I just want to cater to you. Do you like your parking spot? C could I change things in the vending machine for you? Are you happy? Because I don't care about our P&L. I don't care about the critical metrics. I just want, I just want to make sure you're getting what you want. Uh, that's not the way it works in basically any walk of life. It's not the way it works in college football. Here's the difference. The difference is if you've got a regular nine to five, they really could do with or without you. If you're an elite five-star tailback, let's just say, and you go to Clemson, their best interest and your best interest overlap. Clemson football has to stay on top. They need players like you to be able to do that. It's in their best interest, therefore, that you are taken care of, that you are developed to your max, that you are promoted and marketed and propped up and, and kept healthy and fed the right way. These are things that benefit you. You also get invaluable rub against a major college football brand. They'll see there's value in the fact that those are massive brands. There's value in it. All of a sudden, you come to Paint State, and I got that Freights logo that existed before you were born, and there are billions of dollars in equity built up in that thing. Well, all of a sudden, I get to rub my name against that. Guess what that gives me? It gives me value. So it's in my best interest and their best interest for the same things to happen. You do the old Venn diagram of best interest, me versus the school I go to, there's a lot of overlap. So I don't, I don't know what in the world Cam Newton was talking about. I don't know what was said before or after. I think that there was an attempt to say something profound there, and instead I just heard words.
The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Never find that sort of thing happening at Academy Sports and Outdoors. In fact, they don't have to talk. I do it for them. They don't have to talk. They, they just put their merch where their mouth is. That's what they do. So you walk in. Softball season starts tomorrow night. Prayers appreciated. Softball season starts tomorrow night. You know where I geared up. And I may not be done gearing up. We'll see. But Academy Sports and Outdoors had me covered. They got you covered too. I was talking to someone the other day. I think I told this story, but it bears repeating. It's not just bats and balls and gloves and hoops. They got, they got crawfish broil equipment for you. They got all the ingredients you need there. They got tents for you. They got grills for you. They've got everything you need for the outdoors. And they've got us. And because they have us, we get to come to you free of charge. I can't necessarily say that the custom late kick helmet is sold at Academy yet. Give it time, though. There's enough demand, they'll have it. I mean, they got buckets of big league chew over there, which is always my standard measuring stick for whether a store is elite or not. Do you carry the bucket of big league chew? And Academy does. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, if you can't get there in person, academy.com has you covered. All right. We've been doing a little exercise around here before we went off for Easter and then went up to Penn State. We were doing a little exercise Thank you for being tuned in, if you are. Um, like the video, subscribe to the channel, please and thank you. Colin, here's a better endpoint for you. We've been doing a little exercise about spotlight teams, some of the teams that may or may not be a national title contender this year, but there's just something extra that's interesting about them to me. And I wanted to talk to you about Florida. I got four of them for you right quick. Florida's one of them, though. They were bad last year, not to put too fine a point on it. They were one in five versus top 25 teams. 30 was the magic number defensively. They were 0-6 when allowing 30 or more. They were 6-1 when they allowed less than 30. I don't think that's shocking. What is a little bit of a shock to the senses, I guess, is they are back-to-back sub-500 now for the first time since 78 and 79. That's, Bradley wasn't even born then. Junior director Bradley wasn't even around. That's a long time ago. Remember the era we're in, because it has a lot to do with how people are going to talk about Billy Napier this year. We are in that whole portal, NIL, post-Lincoln-Riley-USC resurrection era. And all that sounds like Cam Newton word salad. What that means is once a guy has taken over a fledgling program and reignited it overnight, like Lincoln-Riley just did USC, by using the transfer portal in NIL, folks are going to think anyone should be capable of doing that, again, just like that, overnight. And when you don't, instead of someone saying, have patience, that one person's going to be drowned out by 38 other people saying, no, forget patience. Lincoln Riley did it. Why can't you do it? We're Florida, after all. What, what do they have that we don't? That's the way it's going to go. I'm not saying I agree with it, but you know I'm right. That's the way it's going to go. Now, you go 9-3 and three this year. I won't have to listen to it. But you go 7-5. and five, Six and six, you're struggling to make a bowl game again. We absolutely will have to deal with it. That's the first thing. Another thing is Billy Napier came from Louisiana, and he came from the G5 ranks. And whether it's fair or not, there are other jobs that will come open, and athletic directors and hiring search firm committee types, whether it's fair again or not, they are going to use this as a barometer. And sure enough, if you're looking at a G5 candidate, 
for your Power 5 head coaching position, someone in the room is going to say, well, remember what Billy Napier did at Florida over the past two years. This year will determine whether that is a positive or a negative. Because if he's put, put up back-to-back subpar seasons, someone's going to say, I don't know. Do we want to end up like Florida? You know, because you've seen one G5 head coach, you've seen them all, right? Again, I don't have to like it or endorse it. Just telling you that broad brush will be painted with by folks in the hiring position. And not the least of which in this whole equation is we've got the balance of power in the SEC East up for grabs. And it, it was for a long time a, a belief that it's Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia, and it was. Tennessee was nowhere to be found. Well, then all of a sudden, Tennessee rebounded. And Tennessee is now a plus 2,200 team in the SEC to win the whole thing, to win the national championship. They have the fourth best odds in the SEC to win the national championship. You know, has the, you know who has the second to worst odds? Florida. Balance of power. Those folks in Gainesville, while they will not tolerate long-term Georgia dominating them, they at least understand it. They don't understand Tennessee all of a sudden riding the ship this quickly and them not. Florida. Big time spotlight program. Now, Colin, that's where I want you to outcut this when you put it on YouTube. But for those of you watching live, do I have news for you? Florida's first team offense has zero points in the spring game with 220 to go in the first half. In slightly related news, yes, Florida's spring game is going on right now, which I don't think is the worst idea in the world. You know what? Billy Napier chose to go head to head with late kick for his spring game. Hmm. Hmm. Let me let me marinate on that. We'll move on. I want to go as far away from Gainesville as we can, at least on the college football map. Washington is a spotlight team this year. Washington's one of those teams where when I ask you how they did last year, if you're not a Washington fan, if you don't watch a lot of Pac-12, you say they did pretty good. Yeah, they did pretty good. They went 11 and 2. That is their best record since 2016. They were 4 and 0 versus the top 25. Both of their losses came by one score on the road at UCLA, at Arizona State, right there in weeks five and six. Those were their losses. They went on to beat Oregon State. They went on to win at Oregon. They went on to beat Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Kalen DeBoer went and found Michael Penix in the transfer portal. Oft injured Michael Penix, turned him into a Heisman contender. They were seventh nationally in points per game last year. They were first in pass yards per game, second in total yards per game. Why are they a spotlight team? I think some of that makes it obvious, but remember all those numbers I just gave you, and then remember their top 30, their top 25 actually, in returning production this year. And among those guys returning is Michael Penix, the quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., the quarterback. So we got a potential star head coach emerging on the West Coast in Kalen DeBoer. We've got the legacy of Michael Penix as a quarterback being rewritten in real time. This dude was slept on, or in most cases, written off. He can't stay healthy, and he's a turnover machine. And, and then it's like West Coast Hendon Hooker, really. A change of scenery ends up being everything he needs, and he just blossoms into an elite quarterback. And also, aside from the head coach and the quarterback, Washington may be reemerging just as a program to be taken serious nationally. I know it's conventional wisdom to think if someone comes out of the Pac-12, it'll either be USC or Oregon. And then Utah says, hey, fool, we've won the conference the last two years. And people say, okay, yeah, Utah, you can come in here too. And then there's a pause and there's silence in the room. Then someone says, hey, anyone paying attention to Washington? Anyone paying attention to Oregon State? You know, those other teams out there? They may not be other teams for very long. They don't get benefit of the doubt. It is not one of the most popular brands in college football. Got to change it. And they may have the right combination out there to do it. This will go a long way in deciding the Pac-12. That's another obvious reason they're a spotlight team this year. Major November spotlight, though. You want to know who to pay attention to? Really starting in mid-October, they play Oregon in mid-October. They play them 10-14. But then it gets really, really spicy. Once we get to November, at USC, Utah, at Oregon State, those three weeks, those are three of the premier contenders in that conference this year. And I want to mention another three teams to you. 
that are not in the Pac-12. Actually, one of them is. Here are the three teams. I want you to guess what these teams have in common. Oklahoma, Utah, Texas A&M. What if I told you that Washington has better national championship odds than all of them? Whomst amongst you would have guessed that this time a year ago. But yet there's Washington, plus 3,500 to win the national championship. That's third best odds amongst Pac-12 teams. That's better than Utah out there, by the way. So that's the 14th best odds in the country. You're not thinking about Washington. At least casual fans aren't. You should be. They're watching us in Ruskin, Florida. Casper, Wyoming, really? Casper, Wyoming is tuned in. And Barstow, California. A lot of freight traffic. A lot of BNSF freight traffic out there in Barstow. They're all tuned in. Thank you so much. I met, I met two people on the flight back from, from Harrisburg yesterday that watched the show. I think I told you that, Jesse. So that was good. It was nice to meet everyone. Miami's a spotlight team. You may not like it, but Miami's a spotlight team this year, and I'm actually appeasing you by making them a spotlight team. They're a spotlight team because it could go fantastically or it could crash and burn horribly. And there are some out there who hate Miami, and they, they all watch the show. Every Miami hater watches the show. So you know what? I, because of you guys, I'm putting Miami in the spotlight. You got, you got the high-profile program. You got high-profile head coach. We got a quarterback that the nation has forgotten about in Tyler Van Dyke. And we will discuss him, actually discuss him now. What was his deal last year? Was it just that he forgot how to throw a football? Was it just that everyone was wrong about him? Or was it that offensive coordinator they hired and have since fired in Josh Gaddis? Was it that it just wasn't a good fit? And therefore, is it, if that's the case, a situation where maybe Tyler Van Dyke has a big reemergent season? He didn't transfer. I was looking at it. I was looking for it. He didn't transfer. There are just defining opinions being shared about Miami. I, I frankly don't find a lot of people who say, Miami, I don't know. I hadn't really figured them out. Seems like everyone's got a pretty solidified opinion here. Some folks think eventually they'll get it done. And other folks think, oh, that's a fraud program. Nope. Paper Tiger, total contender. You'll see. They'll get exposed again which is always fun for me because you know I never make those kind of statements in April. Hard enough to get me to make them in August. So I instead, this is, this is screenshot season for me. I'm screenshotting a lot of those opinions, and it always leads to a fun time in December. So that is a reason selfishly why they're a spotlight team this year. The coordinator churn, new OC, new DC, they allowed 42-plus in four of their final five home games last year. Do you realize that? And then when you realize they, they, they allowed 42-plus in four of their last five home games, then I tell you, but Bama hired their defensive coordinator. And you just go, who's the head coach at Bama now? What happened to Saban? Oh, he's still there. What does he know that we don't know? A lot in general terms. In this specific sense, you got me. We'll see. He knows Kevin Steele, knows him very well, but we'll see. They lost five games by 14 plus. They lost four games by 24 plus. How much ground can you make up, therefore, over the span of one season? That's a reason to be a spotlight team. And finally, you know what they need this year? They need hope to sell. They don't need to win the division. It would be nice. They don't need to win the ACC. That'd be a big story. But they better show enough to indicate on the recruiting trail, all right, we, we've stabilized things, we're coming now. We're, we're on our way. Because if they don't, they landed the seventh best class in recruiting this past year, 15th best in the portal, eighth overall. You are going to need something to continue to sell. You, you, can't, you can't just continue to traffic on cotton candy forever. You need some meat and potatoes eventually to put in front of guys and say, hey, what we've been promising you, look, it's finally starting to happen. Are we going to get that this year? Well, that's what makes you a spotlight team. Got one more spotlight team here. Can anyone guess who it is? That was an unintentional triple paper pop. <coughs> I got Nebraska as a spotlight team this year. Matt Rule takes over, obviously. They have lost earmuffs in Lincoln. They have lost 21 straight games versus top 25 teams. Nebraska. Tom Osborne's Nebraska has lost... 21 straight against the top 25. Oh, the stat's not over, by the way. 
Nebraska has lost 21 straight against the top 25. The average margin of defeat, friends, 20.1 points. Just gross. Uh, They also, I mean, if anyone's interested, had their last win against the top 25 team September of 2016. So that's where we are right now with Nebraska football. Why are they a spotlight team? Well, aside from being sub-500 six years in a row, they're a spotlight team because of Matt Rule. They're a spotlight team because they didn't hire a guy who hasn't won already. He's proven he can win. Uh, He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. So I don't think it's an if thing. I think it's more of a when thing, which is an interesting question because history says don't expect it in year one. I was looking earlier today at Temple. Year one, he was 2-10. and 10. At Baylor, year one, he was 1-11. and 11. Temple, year two, 6-6. Six and six. Baylor, year two, 7-6. and six. Temple, year three, 10-4. Baylor, year three, 11-3. Those are strikingly similar trajectories from taking over programs that needed to be rebuilt from the ground up. Now we ask ourselves, is Nebraska the same? Are they in the same boat? Are they going to be very, very bad this year? Are they going to be scrappy next year? And then are they going to be a surprise contender in year three? I would wonder if the changes to the sport may not expedite that timetable a little bit. You got, first off, a little bit better access to talent at Nebraska than you do at the other two. You've also got the portal that can speed that up. So maybe we just get rid of the whole year one sub 500 thing. Maybe we go right to borderline bowl contention, and then next year they win nine or ten games. We'll see. Uh, But nevertheless, Nebraska also a spotlight team for me this year. I got one more thing to get to here. And I, I also need to tell you guys, if you tuned in and you're looking for a lot of behind the scenes stories about our trip to Penn State, we were there two nights, two days and two nights, got full access to the program. All those stories are on the Late Kick Extra podcast that we released earlier today. And I've probably got more coming for you. In fact, I know I didn't talk about this on the show the other night. I showed you the James Franklin interview. I guess I forgot to mention, we also sat down with both coordinators and several of the players. I should have mentioned that. Uh, Manny Diaz, former head coach at Miami, current defensive coordinator up there. He and I, off camera, probably had about as spirited a college football playoff expansion debate as I've ever had because he was ready and I'm always ready. And we had already stopped rolling. He had to go somewhere else and he's just, he's running late because he's still in there and he is, he is trafficking in the merits of playoff expansion. And you know, my stance against it. And I really wish we would have been rolling on it. It would have been its own segment tonight. So Manny Diaz, an expansionist. I did tell him, If I was a coach at Penn State, like Penn State specifically is a fan base that should crave playoff expansion more so than pretty much anyone else out there. So anyone in the Penn State community who wants expansion, I understand it. I don't have to agree with it, but I do get it. You're parked in the same division with two of the the best four programs in America right now. It's not the easiest schedule draw. So I get it. Anyway, for all that behind the scenes stuff, Late Kick Extra podcast, it's in your podcast feed right now. And make sure you subscribe while you're there. Okay, let's clear the throat for this. I think we got a tweet to look at. So Mike hit us up from Mobile, Alabama earlier today. He said, did you hear Lane Kiffin talking about turning down the Auburn job? What are your thoughts on all that? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Mike. Well, Lane Kiffin did have a press conference, I think, earlier today. And there's this ESPN article in the interest of full context that was also released today. Alex Scarborough, I think, did the writing on that. And so they had a one-on-one with Lane Kiffin, and he talked a lot about a lot of things. And then the Auburn job came up. So that article was released. Then they had practice today. Then he had his post-practice media availability. And someone asked him about it. And so I'm going to play the sound for you. I'll react on the other side. Here's Lane Kiffin. It's interesting you asked that on the first day I've seen John um, in a long time. Good to see you, John. So yeah, I did say obstacles away in there, so I do find a way to turn everything positive. So I appreciate John for creating all that chaos that he created with his false information, but um, that allowed us to work through it. And like I said in the article, help our collective. So really our fans and our collective should thank John. 
to that. Takeaway number one. Prayers for that TV anchor, that sports anchor over in Mississippi who is still getting drug at every opportunity. That's John. John, who Lane Kiffin's talking about, was the sports anchor who ran with the following. Breaking. This is November 21st last year. Breaking. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin plans to step down as the Rebels coach Friday and head to Auburn to become the Tigers' next head coach, according to sources. Sources say the Tigers haven't officially offered the job to anyone yet, so Lane to Auburn is happening. Story soon. That was retweeted by Lane Kiffin that same day, and he said, that's news to me, John. Nice sources. Lane Kiffin has not forgotten, <laughs> and he has he continued to call that dude out. Personally, I think one day they will make amends, and John will end up co-authoring a book with Lane Kiffin. But that's for another day. Right now, it's still drag John season. DJS, as they call it in Oxford. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, as it relates to takeaway number one, this is why you never speak definitively about a fluid situation. Because here's, here's the fact of the matter. John was probably right until he wasn't. It's like predicting a five-star recruit to commit to Missouri. The kid calls me the night before and says, I'm committing to Missouri. If I then go on Twitter and say, I've got it on good authority that Caleb Five Star is going to Missouri. You can mark it down. I'm right. Until he changes his mind in the morning, then I'm not right. Lane Kiffin was going to Auburn. He's all but admitted that. Lane Kiffin was going to Auburn. Then he wasn't. We don't really need to rehash it all. There are no shortage of theories as to what mattered and what made him change his mind. I, I guess this is as good a time as any. I was at the Kentucky Ole Miss game last year. When all this was starting to heat up, I was at the Kentucky Ole Miss game. And Jimmy Sexton was there. That is Lane Kiffin's agent. Sexton was there. That's not uncommon. Jimmy Sexton is at a game pretty much every Saturday. But I remember afterwards, I remember listening to him talk. I was within earshot. I have not shared this story. I was within earshot. I could, I could hear exactly what they were saying. I knew, obviously, that Lane Kiffin was very interested in that Auburn job. I also know they knew to keep an eye on Hugh Freeze. Both of them knew to keep a very close eye on Hugh Freeze. Dare I even say at the time, they were probably rooting for Hugh Freeze and Liberty to drop a few games so his stock would plummet. So yes, this was absolutely in play. This is not a mystery to anyone at this point. And he had probably even decided, I'm going to take the job. And then he didn't take the job. So you could have been both right and wrong. And, and our dear friend John probably was, don't speak definitively. Don't say it's done. It's never done until you see Lane Kiffin with that Auburn backdrop at a podium in Lee County, Alabama at his introductory press conference. Then it's done. And only then is it done. Uh, takeaway number three, Ole Miss people kind of get it. Ole Miss folks, if you haven't been paying attention, there are a few fan bases who understand their place in the college football world as good as Ole Miss folks right now. I don't mean they are happy about this. I don't mean when the head coach at their program was openly refusing to turn down rumors that he was going to another program in their own division. I don't mean they were happy about it, but they understood it at least. They understand that there is a, there is a hierarchy, there's a pecking order. Ole Miss is not tier one. Ole Miss probably not a tier two team. They're respectable. But did you notice what Lane Kiffin said? Lane Kiffin said, oh, we've got John to thank for me still being here. No, 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 that's not what he said. That's what people will remember because it was really jokey, ha-ha. Double pen tap there. Lane Kiffin said something else. He said, we used that and we got our collective in high gear. And they did. The NIO infrastructure at Ole Miss now is way better than it was last year. In some ways, internally, I would say they have some innovation about themselves in terms of developing a true market value on players. They're really good. I have knowledge of some of the stuff they're doing over there. Really good. Would that have happened if those Auburn rumors didn't persist? We just had James Franklin on the show Tuesday night, and he pretty much told you when my name is up for another job, I use that to leverage against our university to get things I want. 
That is not a mystery. It's just rare to have the head coaches actually openly tell you that. Well, with Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin knows they're not about to out-recruit Alabama. What they can do is they can, they can cherry-pick out of the portal, but they have to be able to fit the NIL bill in order to do it, and now they're in a much better position because they felt the heat in Oxford, and they did the only thing that you can do. If you don't like it, if you don't like fearing losing your head coach, you can make him as happy as possible. And in this case, it means investing more money into a collective so they can go get better players. Pretty simple. The last takeaway, and this is the one that I want you to remember because I won't, won't really be able to revisit this one from a little while. Lane Kiffin wants that Alabama job one day. Lane Kiffin is not a guy who looks at Alabama and Nick Saban and says, ooh, who would want to follow him? Uh, Lane Kiffin's answer is me. I'd want to follow him. Supreme competitors, like alpha-type competitors, they don't think like that, by the way. They don't look at a job that's currently held by the greatest of all time and say, boy, I'd hate to follow him. No, you would. You would. I'd love it. Because I know what, he, what shape he's going to leave the program in, and I think I'm good enough to go in there and capitalize on it. Lane Kiffin wants that Alabama job. Lane Kiffin knows he ain't getting that Alabama job if he's got the Auburn job. That was not going to happen. And I'm not telling you that was the deciding factor. I absolutely believe it was a factor. Now, I know what a lot of you are doing right now. A lot of you are shaking your head saying, I don't care what job he has now. Alabama's not going to hire Lane Kiffin. To that, I would say, never say never. That's where I'd leave that. Never say never. They may not hire him if the job came open tomorrow, but see, by my estimation, Nick Saban hadn't hung it up yet. So if Nick Saban were to hang it up in 2027, and Lane Kiffin's done some really remarkable things between now and then in Oxford, Mississippi, also depending on what the rest of the coaching market would look like, you may sing a different tune. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, is don't speak definitively about fluid situations. This is example number one million and one on that front. Really, really fun week for us. Now we finally get to actually sleep. Producer Jesse, poor producer Jesse. I had to give him three squirts of Mio today instead of his usual two to just keep him awake. Uh, appreciate you guys supporting us. We couldn't do any of this stuff without you. We have a lot on our plate in the coming weeks and months. There is probably a... We're probably busier now than we are during the season. That's the way I'll put it to you. And we're happy to be that way because uh, the alternative is go work a normal job doing something you don't love to do. So thank you guys for putting us in this position. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. Just about the time the voice goes, we're wrapping it up. I'll see you back here Sunday night. Until then, take care, enjoy your weekend, and God bless. sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen